Today here in Fairfield and Longridge, we begin a series of messages on the prayer that Jesus taught us, the prayer we call the Lord's Prayer. And I'm excited about this message series because I know what's coming for you. Uh, Jesus has already used uh, the study of his prayer to re-energize and retool and refresh my prayer life. And I know this is going to happen to you as well as you hear from Jesus over the next five weeks. So would you please turn your Bible or your device to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. And next time, we will begin studying word-for-word word, uh, Jesus' prayer. But today, we'll examine what Jesus said as introduction to his prayer. In his words of introduction, Jesus teaches how not to pray. Isn't that a good idea? Before Jesus teaches us how we should pray, Jesus first teaches us how not to pray. And this is what Jesus says, beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, there you go. Uh, Before Jesus teaches me how I should pray, Jesus first teaches me how not to pray. In a few short sentences, Jesus gives me at least five prayer pitfalls to avoid. Uh, So let's run down the five prayer pitfalls embedded in what Jesus said about how not to pray. First, Jesus says, don't pray like other people. Prayer pitfall number one is making the mistake of praying like other people instead of praying like Jesus. In verse 5, Jesus says, do not pray like the hypocrites. And here, Jesus has in mind the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, who had a good relationship with the Bible, but who had little or no relationship with God. And Jesus says, do not pray like these people. And then in verse 8, Jesus refers to people who babble words of prayer over and over again. And he says, do not pray like the pagans. Now, by pagans, Jesus is referring to people who worshipped the Greek pantheon of God's galore. Uh, and these people didn't know anything about the Bible or anything about a relationship with the one true 
God. And Jesus says, do not pray like these people either. And so Jesus sets up a continuum of biblical knowledge when he says, on the one end, do not pray like the secular people who don't know anything about God. But then Jesus points to the other end and he says, also, do not pray like the religious people either. And the clear implication is that Jesus doesn't want me praying like anyone on this continuum. Jesus doesn't want me praying like other people because Jesus wants to teach me how to pray like him. In order to do this, Jesus first calls me to clear the hard drive of my soul to clear my hard drive of the prayer viruses that I have picked up along the way. Um, I've picked up prayer viruses, and so have you. Uh, we've picked up faulty ideas and habits and approaches to talking to God. And Jesus wants to debug, debug our hard drive when it comes to prayer. I have attended Bible teaching churches uh, since the, the first week after my birth. And over that time, I have picked up some useful, true, and helpful lessons of prayer. Absolutely. And I need to hang on to whatever truths I've learned about how to really pray like Jesus. But over that time... I have also picked up some prayer viruses. I've picked up concepts and approaches to prayer that are just second-hand notions uh, or uh, old concepts and approaches to prayer that are, well, I've caught them as a contagion from other people. For instance, I've picked up viruses in the form of ridiculous prayer phrases that are meaningless and get in the way of really praying like Jesus. I heard a Bible teacher talking recently about how people will sit down at a meal and say, God, please let this food nourish our bodies. (laughs) Uh, Let this food nourish our bodies is an example of a prayer virus. Uh, Because it's just a throwaway phrase that is totally meaningless. Uh, We don't need to ask God to make food nourish our bodies. That's what food does. It's like saying, uh, God, please make this glass of iced tea wet. Uh, Or, God, please make this Twinkie uh, make me chubby. Or, uh, please make this bottle of Evian water make me look pretentious. You don't need to pray that. It's going to happen naturally. Uh, I heard someone else talk about uh, how people use another strange phrase in prayer. It's a phrase that many use, but I don't think most know, will have any idea what it means. It's the phrase, a hedge of protection. Uh, uh, People pray in prayer meetings. God, put a hedge of protection around so-and-so. Hedge is an old Victorian English translation of an Old Testament word. And it didn't mean this in the original Hebrew. But to us today, a hedge sounds like a a shrub. Uh, It sounds as if we're asking God to protect his people with 
well-placed landscaping, <laughs> or as if Satan is foiled by decorative bushes, <laughs> you know, or something. People pray this out of habit. It's a meaningless little phrase. It's a prayer virus, but I digress. Uh, the point is that I have picked up a lot of prayer junk that comes from praying like other people instead of praying like Jesus. Some prayer viruses are innocent, like these phrases I've been talking about. But you know what? Many of these viruses are very serious. For instance, some have been taught to think of prayer as a punishment. Uh, for some of us, whenever we think, uh, whenever we did something wrong in the past, uh, someone was there to tell us to do ten Our Fathers. And as a result, we to this day, associate Jesus' prayer with punishment. That's a serious prayer virus, and Jesus wants to wipe it off your hard drive. Some of us have picked up a virus that makes us think of prayer as duty, as this grim obligation. Some of us uh, have been taught to feel deep shame over prayer because we don't pray enough or long enough. And as a result, some of us dread this subject of prayer. We feel guilty. We feel like failures because we don't pray like other people, as much as other people, or as well as other people. And this guilt is a serious prayer virus. This prayer anxiety is a serious prayer virus. And Jesus wants to wipe it out. In order to pray like Jesus, there are a few things I need to remember. But there are many, many, many things I need to forget. Jesus wants me to forget what I've learned in my fruitless attempts to pray like other people. Jesus wants me to forget the destructive prayer viruses. Jesus is calling you to a fresh start in prayer. Today, God wants to erase your prayer viruses so you can have a fresh start at praying like Jesus. So when Jesus teaches me how not to pray, he begins by saying, don't pray like other people. Next, Jesus says, don't talk to yourself. The second prayer pitfall is praying in a way that involves no real connection with God. Have you ever been talking on the cell phone and uh, you've been talking for a long time, suddenly you hear a dial tone and you realize that you have been a victim of a dropped call and that you have been talking to yourself I don't know if you're like me, but when this happens, I feel kind of foolish because I thought I was having a conversation. But the truth is, I was just talking to myself. Well, the same thing happens when it comes to prayer. In his teaching on how not to pray, Jesus gives several examples of people who think that they are connected with God when they are truthfully just talking to themselves. Jesus gives two reasons for dropped calls with God. Calling a wrong number and calling with a bad connection. 
Let's start with the pagans. Uh, Jesus refers to pagans who think that they are talking to God, but they're not because they're calling the wrong number. They were praying, but they're not talking to the true God of Jesus in the Bible. You know, there's a myth out there. Uh, It's a religious kind of bumper sticker statement that goes like this. There is power in prayer. The idea behind this statement is that prayer is powerful in itself. It doesn't matter who you pray to. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter because the act of prayer is just powerful in itself. Well, Jesus contradicts that statement, and he says it does matter who you pray to. In fact, Jesus would say that the most important aspect of prayer is knowing who you are speaking to. That's why Jesus starts his model prayer the way he does. It really does matter to God that I know who he is when I'm talking to him. God wants me to know that he is my father. He's my dad. And that he knows me and loves me and has made a way for me to have a relationship with him through the sacrifice of Jesus. God does not respond to prayer in general. There's no power in prayer by itself. Keep in mind that Muslims pray, Hindus pray, in a different category, uh, mafia Mob bosses pray. Uh, Crooks and murderers pray. For crying out loud, Congress prays. uh, Which is proof that prayer in itself is not powerful. The power of prayer is not in the act of praying. The power is in who I am speaking to. There is a fascinating account in the Old Testament uh, book of 1 Kings, chapter 18. Uh, It's the story of a showdown between one man who prays to the true God of the Bible and a whole bunch of people who prayed to a fake God named Baal. Uh, The showdown takes place on a hill called Mount Carmel. And on top of this mountain, God's man, Elijah, stands alone and he faces off against 450 followers of Baal. And Elijah says to them, you say that Baal is real. I say he's fake. I say the God of Scripture is the only true God. Okay, let's settle this once and for all. Let's have a contest. You Baal believers, put a sacrificial bull on a pile of wood, and I'll put a bull on a different pile of wood here on this mountain, and we'll both ask our God to send down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. So the worshipers of Baal dance around the pile of wood and make lots of noise to get attention of, from their God, and they did what Jesus said that pagans always do, They babble and babble and babble and pray and pray for hours and hours, but there is no fire. They actually cut themselves and scream out to Baal, sitting in their blood, but there is no fire. These were people who believed in the power of prayer. The problem was they had the wrong number. 
And then Elijah said as much to them. And then finally said, uh, Elijah said, okay, now it's my turn. And he walked over to his pile of wood and said, wait, wait, before I talk to God at all, first, let's pour lots of water on this sacrifice. Pour jugs and jugs of water. Do it again. Do it again. And then after this altar was completely flooded with water, Elijah looked up to the living God, spoke about two seconds, about two sentences in prayer, and then immediately it came. Pow! An avalanche of fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, burned the wood, and licked up all the, all the water that was standing around the altar. Don't miss the message here. Look at that sacrifice to Baal, which is stone cold after hours and hours of prayer. And then look at that cold bull. Uh, you see the proof that this idea that there is power in prayer is a myth. But now, look at the sacrifice before, uh, that was put before the God of Jesus and the Bible. This altar is scorched earth. It's blackened bull. It is smoldering and it's ringed by people who understand that while prayer is not powerful in itself... There is tremendous power in a praying person who has a living relationship with the living God. Elijah had a relationship with God. And so fire came down because of the relationship behind the prayer, not the prayer. And this is what Jesus means when he says in John chapter 15, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish in prayer and it will be given to you. Here Jesus makes it clear that there is no power in prayer except when there is a power relationship with him. Prayer in itself is not powerful. It's the relationship it's the relationship. It's the relationship with Jesus that puts power in prayer. And Jesus says it is possible uh, to pray and just be talking to yourself. You are just talking to yourself if you call the wrong number, like the pagans, or if you have a bad connection, like the hypocrites. In verse 5, Jesus said that the hypocrites had a bad connection because even though they had the right number and they were talking to the right God uh, and they had all the right prayer uh, motions, they still had the wrong motive. And that killed their connection. When it came to prayer, the Pharisees were not interested in relating to God. They were interested in impressing people and looking religious. And through these Pharisees, Jesus wants me to know and he warns me that it is possible for me to go through the motions of prayer while having no real intent of actually conversing with God. It is possible for me to pray and have no expectation of meeting God because I have no real desire for a relationship with God and my heart and mind are really somewhere else. I can be going through the motions of prayer and end up talking to myself because I lack real intent of really connecting with the real God.
Which leads to Jesus' next caution. He says, don't try to manipulate God. Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites and don't be like the pagans. Because both of these groups see prayer as just a way to manipulate God. Uh, we just talked about the Pharisees and uh, how they used God and manipulated uh, prayer as a way of getting the people praise that they really wanted. But Jesus said that pagan prayer is the same thing. It's just manipulation. Pagans see prayer as this long-winded process of getting their deity to give them what they want. And Jesus said, don't pray like that. God is not a vending machine, and prayer is not pushing the right buttons to get the candy bar that you want. So if prayer is not about getting stuff from God, what is prayer for? Well, to Jesus, prayer is about developing a personal relationship with God, which leads to Jesus' next caution in the how not to pray list. Jesus says, don't put on an act. Jesus begins his teaching about how not to pray uh, with these words. He says, do not be like the hypocrites. Uh, the word hypocrites uh, or hypocrite is a word that comes from the Greek theater of Jesus' day, and it means actor. Jesus tells us to never put on an act for God. And this is the truth that I need to be taught over and over and over again. God wants me, the real me, and not some sanitized, made-over, make-believe version of me. So often I forget that God demands my complete honesty with Him. It's so easy for me to begin praying and feel guilty, uh, feel kind of ashamed because of what I've done or have, haven't done before God, but I never mention it to God. I just act as if He wouldn't know or doesn't notice. It's so easy for me to you know, feel low-level or even high-level anger about the confusing things that I feel like God is doing in my life, but then go to God and act as if He doesn't know about my confused feelings. God knows! God knows everything I think and I feel. And God wants me to talk openly about it. He wants the real me, not some sanitized version of me. God wants me to be real because God wants a real relationship with me. God wants a real relationship, and the, and the way it grows is through conversation, honest conversation that is completely transparent and authentic. Now let me mention one final prayer pitfall that Jesus calls me to avoid. Jesus says, don't make prayer complicated. I love this model prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Because by giving us a prayer that is so short and so simple, Jesus 
explodes the worst prayer myth out there. The worst prayer myth out there is the myth that God is some button-down deity who loves long and complicated prayers. The myth goes that God expects ceremony from us and that he's picky and he gets easily disappointed with prayers that don't measure up to his expectations. And if I don't meet a standard number of words or level of eloquence, eh, God's just not interested. It doesn't measure up. He's not interested in that kind of prayer. This is a lie. Jesus gives us a model prayer that blows this myth to smithereens. When Jesus began teaching about how to pray, I just picture the disciples. I bet the disciples sat down expecting an all-day seminar. I bet they expected Jesus to teach them some complicated formulas and demonstrate long prayers that would go on like, you know, Shakespearean monologues. And instead, Jesus said, I'll teach you how to pray. And then Jesus gives them a model, model prayer that is in our English Bibles, 55 words in length, 55 words. Uh, maybe you have a sweep hand on your watch. Go ahead and, uh, and uh, time me. You shouldn't be timing the sermon, but you, you, just let, me, let me just uh, time the, uh, this prayer. Okay, ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Even with some dramatic pauses. How long is it? 20 seconds? It's usually less than 20 seconds. I'm emphasizing the brevity of this prayer because this is a major part of what Jesus is teaching about prayer. Jesus knew that his model prayer was shockingly brief. He knew this. We know he knows this because um, he's deliberately contrasting his approach to the way that the pagans babble on and on and on. Am I saying that there's anything wrong with lengthy seasons of prayer? No, not, not really. I mean, Jesus went off for blocks of prayer sometimes. But Jesus has some good news for us. Jesus knows that this topic of prayer causes a lot of anxiety for most people. Jesus knows that most people get nervous about praying in private, praying in public, praying out loud in groups. And Jesus wants to just deflate all the anxiety. Jesus wants you to see that prayer is simple and uncomplicated. Jesus says, it is so simple. You can do it. Jesus says, you can do this. You can pray 55 words at a time. Jesus says, do not make prayer complicated because prayer is supposed to be simple. Don't pray lengthy monologues. It's better to keep it short. 
Jesus is God in the flesh. And when God came to earth, don't miss this. He came saying, I prefer short prayers, just so you know. I prefer short prayers. Uh, I like it when you pray 20 seconds at a time. This is not only true in our private prayer times, but also in our corporate uh, prayer times. Some people need to break the habit of being verbose when we pray together in groups. Some of us need help. Some of us, you know, could benefit from a self-help group uh, for people addicted to babbling in prayer. Uh, you know, there's Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, Gamblers Anonymous, but instead of Al-Anon and Gamblers Anon, we should start a self-help group for prayer babblers. We could call it On and On, Anon. <laughs> In this model prayer, Jesus teaches that God would rather have 55 words from my heart than 55,000 words from my mouth. Now, of course, we understand that Jesus is doing something here. And we understand that Jesus is not advocating less prayer. He's advocating more prayer. Jesus says, forget the long, complicated prayers confined to formal times and formal places and formal patterns. The Father wants you praying 55-word prayers all the time. The Father wants you talking to Him for 20 seconds at a time all during the day, every day, and everywhere you go. You can do this. You can start over again. I believe this is Jesus' goal uh, for you today. By reminding you of how not to pray, Jesus is calling you to a fresh start. Jesus is asking you to let him erase the prayer viruses that have accumulated on your hard drive so that you can have a clean start with him. If you are good with this goal, would you just tell him? Would you just tell Jesus? Tell God that you're ready for a fresh start in learning to pray like Jesus. Jesus likes short prayers. Here's a short prayer that you might want to whisper right now. God, I want a fresh start in a prayer relationship with you. Please help me. <laughs>